Happy Easter, everyone. It's lovely to be here at River Church on this Easter morning, celebrating with you the fact that Christ is risen, the fact that Jesus is alive. Absolutely. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Jesus is the greatest, the most powerful, the most humble, the most glorious, the most loving, the most amazing person that ever lived. And he's our saviour. What an amazing man Jesus was and is and will continue to be throughout my life, throughout all our lives, through all eternity. Jesus is amazing. And today we celebrate the fact that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again. Jesus is alive. And today I just want to spend about 15 minutes, I think that's all I have today, so I'll try to keep it as brief as I can, before the children cause chaos with Hannah next door. But keep it as brief as I can to, to talk about the resurrection because we've um, really felt that the theme we wanted to make this Easter day to be about the resurrection and what it means to live resurrected lives. What it is to live lives in the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. And, you know, the resurrection, I think, continues to have an impact in my life. The truth that, that Jesus defeated death, sin on the cross, continues to have an impact on my life. The resurrection was an act of love, not by a cold, distant taskmaster, but by a loving father. Love is very much the theme of why the resurrection is so powerful, why the resurrection is so complete, why the resurrection is so awesome in all its entirety. It's, a, it's a, something that happened that actually should have an impact on the whole of our lives, on on our minds, on our hearts, because it's something that brings life and light and meaning out of something which was so dark, so desperate, and so evil. So I, what I want to do is I want to spend a few moments contrasting the moments before the resurrection with the moments after it. And then Perhaps think of some of the, the implications that that might have for us today. So first of all, I want to look at the contrast between dark and light. Darkness and the light that we can find in Christ. Now we had a very reflective service here on Friday, those of you that were here, that were here and it's just... The Good Friday service was a moment of reflecting of what actually happened 
to Jesus before the resurrection. Good Friday is often a a somber time, a time when we reflect on the pain and suffering that Jesus endured the night before, the morning and the, the early afternoon before his crucifixion. It was a time of darkness. Matthew recalls the moments before Jesus dies in Matthew 27. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. Darkness came over all the land. You know, there was darkness, yet the crucifixion happened in the daytime. This moment was the darkest moment in the history of creation. This moment was as if evil and darkness had won. It was as though darkness reigned on the earth and had actually defeated God. It was that dark the moment Jesus died. But three days later, three women go to Jesus' tomb. They go there to anoint his body, which was a practice which was quite common to do in those days. And it says in Matthew 28 that an angel had rolled the stone away. And this angel... His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. I just think it's a strange way to describe someone's appearance, to look like lightning. Lightning, something very bright, something very dazzling. But the first contact that these three women had when they went to see Jesus, when they'd gone to the tomb expecting to see his dead body, The first thing they see is this angel. This angel was white as snow. His appearance was that of lightning. The angel then proceeds to tell them that Jesus was no longer there, but that he'd risen. This place of death, despair, and darkness had now become a place of hope, life, and light. Jesus was alive. Jesus was no longer dead. Jesus has risen from the dead. And light was surrounding these three women. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. Kingdom of light. You know, we're living in a time, perhaps, where darkness seems to be so rife. But the truth is this, darkness has nowhere to hide because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus has risen and is alive and is shining brighter than ever in the hearts and lives of those that know him. The light of the world has overcome the darkness. That's the truth. Jesus has overcome the darkness. Where the reign of Christ, where the light of Christ is, darkness has to flee. That's the truth. 
That's the truth. Where the reign of Christ is, darkness has to flee. You know, we're living in the new covenant, a new day where Jesus' light shines brighter than ever. God's glory shines brighter than ever. And where does it shine? It shines in the hearts and minds and lives of those who know him. Jesus is the light of the world. You know, John 1 uh, verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We will go about our daily lives, and there will be darkness around us. Jesus didn't say that the darkness would go as soon as he would come. But what he said is the light can shine in and through each one of us. And as we stand together as God's family, as God's community, that light will shine brightly for the world to see that there is hope, that there is light, and that light can be found in Jesus. And a question for you this morning, do you know the light of the world? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Because he is waiting for you to respond to his call to follow him. The truth is, as a Christian, we now have the light of Christ in each one of us. Firstly, to overcome the darkness in our own hearts, but to overcome, also to overcome the darkness in the world. And sometimes this could be quite a challenge. Sometimes we find darkness in our, our day-to-day. We find there are people in the world who can be quite rude, who can be quite angry with us, or can be just quite ignorant. Do we meet people like that? Sometimes we might be the people that can be rude and angry and ignorant. At times we may find that things in life don't always work out the way we expect. We may find ourselves at times needing to make tough decisions. Then there are times where we might have temptations. Temptations to do things that can lead us to do things that deep down we know we shouldn't be doing. Darkness is all around us. But Christ has given us the ability and the power to overcome the darkness. To allow the light of Christ to shine in us. You know, the Bible says that our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. There is a spiritual battle that we are in the middle of. But Jesus gives us everything to overcome. How much are we allowing the light of Christ to dwell in our hearts? How brightly are we shining for God's purposes and plans? On the cross, at the resurrection, 
Jesus broke the power of sin and death and Satan's rule and power once and for all. And that is for each one of us. The light has broken through. The dawn has come. And it's there for anyone who wants to walk into it. I'm going to move on to my second, uh, second point. Otherwise, I've got five minutes left. I don't know how many to get through that too. My second point is this. In contrasting just before the resurrection and living this resurrected life is the contrast to being bound and to being free. You know, Jesus was arrested, as we, most of us know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested and bound, as we read in John 18, and he was taken away to be tried. Jesus allowed himself to be convicted and tried for crimes that he didn't commit. He was silent a lot of the time when he was accused of things that he didn't do. He allowed himself to be whipped. He allowed himself to be shamed, humiliated, treated like a criminal and nailed to a wooden cross. Jesus did not save himself, although at any point he could have done it. Jesus gave up his freedom. Now this act of God restricting his freedom, allowing himself to die on the cross is the very thing that opens the door for us to know freedom in Christ. It is the very act of Jesus giving up his freedom that breaks the chains that bind us to our self-centered existence. We do want to live for ourselves. And I just want to read the words of a recent um, Disney film. Very good to uh, bring out these words, and you might recognize, if you do, do call out what film you might think it is. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small, and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. Somebody got it right there. What is it? Frozen. Yes, I thought, Louise, you might have got that. It's from the film Frozen. It's all about wanting to be free. Now, this kind of freedom is the freedom that we're encouraged to seek from the world around us. We're encouraged to be free. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. Encouraged to live for ourselves and subsequently find happiness. But this promise is an empty promise. It's empty and shallow because the world will never satisfy our deepest needs. The desire to live for something other than Jesus will never satisfy. Whether it be money, success, family, ourselves, our job, they'll never satisfy. They'll always demand more from us. Now the Bible says that we are slave to these things. The more we go after them, the more they want more. They'll never satisfy. What we need is for our hearts to be captured by something else. To discover a love in God and a love from God that frees us from the need for anything else. 
And this is only found in Jesus. Jesus is the source of true freedom. Source of true freedom. Tim Keller says that freedom is not the absence of limitations and constraints, but it's finding the right ones, those that fit our nature and liberate us. Christ has come to set us free. He set us free to be the people the people that we can really come alive and be all that we can be, to be our true selves. You know, in, in Christ, when we fail, we're forgiven. When we fail striving for the things that are of the world and we fail, then we'll just feel, Ugh. in Christ, when we fail, we're forgiven. What a great freedom to know. Forgiveness of sin. When we make mistakes, there's grace. There's grace in God. It is freedom that's based on a relationship between a father and a son, not a master and a slave. It's a freedom that's releasing, secure, empowering, doesn't demand from us, but allows us to flourish. Now, this is the power of resurrection life. The freedom that we can enjoy and experience as followers of Jesus. And I just want to give you another Tim Keller quote. Religion stresses holiness over grace. What you must do to earn God's favor. Religion. We're not into religion in River Church. Irreligion stresses freedom over holiness. And Christianity is freedom through grace that leads to holiness. Grace. Knowing the grace of God, knowing the freedom that was found and purchased through us through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And then just to really... just. Ground this in some truth and scripture. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. What a wonderful truth. Jesus has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free in Galatians. And then John 8, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know the truth will set you free. If you seek the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you seek him, you will experience greater and greater freedom to be the person God has called you to be. And that's the great thing of the Christian life. And finally, with minus two minutes, I want to look at the contrast that Jesus experienced on the cross of being separated from his Father and then obviously reunited when he rose again in the resurrection. The ninth hour, Jesus, about to die, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know those words, familiar words. Jesus was forsaken on the cross. He was abandoned. He was left on the cross. You know, this is the only time in history of creation where Father God and Jesus were separated. And why was that? 
Because at that moment, Jesus was about to take on the sin of the world upon himself. It had to happen. God's plan to bring us close to him was that the sin, our sin, would be on this perfect saviour. And then moments later, Jesus died. And the wonderful truth about the gospel is this this no longer needs to be true for us anymore. If you are lonely, if you've suffered, suffered from separation in any way or rejection in any way, Jesus died on the cross to bring an end to that once and for all. He was separated and deserted by God in order that we no longer need to be. We are drawn in to a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. He wants us to draw close to Him. And as we do, He will draw close to us. Separation is the opposite of connectedness. Connectedness. God desires for us to be connected. Not just to Him, but to each other. To be placed in a family. We are adopted as his children. You know, physical separation from those we love causes us to feel sad. It does. You know, a lot of us today will have the opportunity to have lunch with family, friends, to celebrate Easter, to celebrate what Jesus has done. You know, the reason we feel sad is because we love being with people we love. We want to be close to them. We draw close to those we love. I love the opening sequence of the film Love Actually at Heathrow Airport. And it's great because that footage is real life footage of people meeting up at the airport, hugging each other, kissing each other, embracing each other. You know, that's what God, that's the sort of love God has for us. He's not a distance God, he's a father God that embraces us and loves us. You know, something, one of the things that you know, horrifies me about the, the, the community and the nation we live is the social isolation that goes on around us. People alone, and it's an increasing problem in this nation. And I read a statistic, a number of statistics, but this one I'm going to share with you. About a fifth of older people only have some form of contact with family, friends, or neighbours Less than once a week. Less than once a week. So that means that on their own, six to seven days. On their own. Television is the main source of company for a lot of older people. It's frightening, isn't it? That that's kind of the world, the nation we're living in. You know, but Jesus' separation from this father was only momentary. As God raised him from the dead, he was reunited with his father. He spoke with his father regularly as he walked on the earth. There was a close relationship that he had with his father. And the same is for us. As believers in Christ, we can know a close relationship with our heavenly father. With each other as God's family, we no longer need to be alone. As we accept Jesus, as we come to know him as our saviour, We have become one with God. We are no longer alone. 
And I think I'm going to come to an end there. So I just want to finish with this scripture. And it's from Romans 8. And it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We are no longer separated from God through Christ. Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? Not sure we get too many swords these days. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. I mean, that's a pretty good list of things that can't separate us from the love of Christ. Christ's love for us, nothing can separate us. All we need to do is respond to his love. Receive his love and he will come into our hearts. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I just pray for us as we go from here this Easter Sunday, as we go and have lunch and share with family and friends? Yeah, hallelujah, hey? Jesus, I thank you that you have turned darkness into light, that where your light shines, darkness has to flee. And I just pray the light in each of our hearts will shine ever brightly this Easter and in the coming weeks. Jesus, let your light shine in us and through us. And Jesus, I pray where if there's any of us here that might feel bound, might feel things are tying us down or weighing us down, I pray, Jesus, help us to give them to you. Help us to say, Jesus, please take this. And I pray as we do, you would give us freedom, that you would help us to know that yoke which is easy and light as we follow you, Jesus. And I pray if there's anyone here who might feel alone, that might feel that they're not part or not belonging, I pray draw them into, firstly, your communion. Draw them into that personal relationship with you that they would know your presence, know your closeness, know your love this morning. And Jesus, help us, Lord, as your family, as your people, to be ones that encourage that sense of belonging and connectedness into your family, Jesus. Pray, grow your family. Jesus, we look to you this Easter morning. Amen.